comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. we know is gone. No Google, no Amazon.com, no email, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Hey everybody, it's the Walking Dead TV Podcast, episode 19. This is John, I have with me Jordan, Jim, and Russell. Fellas, how are you? Good. Excellent. I think this is a record for me. This is two in a row for me to be on. Yes, and we lost Mr. Milo for the evening, but we're going to maybe give him a call and see if we can break his chops about that a little bit. This was a little bit sooner than we had originally planned, or maybe I shouldn't say that because I don't know when it's going to actually post but there was an influx of new voicemails, emails, and a bunch of zombie and, uh, and Walking Dead news. So we figured we'd record a show here and, uh, and catch up on things. But first, we have to get to a sponsor, DCBS Service, dcbsservice.com. That's Discount Comic Book Service. This is the place to go for all of your comic books and certainly your Walking Dead trades and, and hardcover needs The basic premise is that you order your comics two months in advance and you get tremendous discounts that range usually from 30 to 40% off. You can also order all your trades and hardcovers for The Walking Dead. They have tons of other Walking Dead items as well, like shot glasses and lighters and hoodies and T-shirts and everything with a zombie on it that you can think of. If it is your first time ordering with DCBS, you can add the code WD8, and you're going to get an extra 8% on top of that discount. So now you're talking possibly a 48% discount on your first order. And, and Russ, don't we have an email from someone abroad who decided to use DCBS? No, yes, we absolutely do. Um, and that was, a great, that was a great surprise to read. So it's from Craig, and he's from the U.K., so he says, hey, guys, first of all, I'd just like to say well done for a truly infectious podcast. You dudes are so cool and interesting. I could and do spend hours listening to your show. I first heard of The Walking Dead through a workmate who, knowing I was a fan of The Undead, told me about this up-and-coming little gem of TV brilliance. Unfortunately for me, I'd missed the whole lot, so I went to iTunes and searched TWD, and I fortunately found your podcast. No TV shows, though. Anyway, I found ways and means of getting my hands on the episodes and have been hooked ever since. Upon listening to the podcast, I found out about the comics slash graphic novels, bought the first one at my local bookstore, which was quite quite pricey. So I thought I'd give your sponsors a try, and DCB service came up trumps. I saved a packet, even with international shipping costs, and will be using their great services again. Keep up the good work, guys, and the greatest of regards from Scotland. Thanks again. By the way, I gave you a review on the UK iStore. Fantastic. So You saved a packet. A packet. And even he saved a packet. He could have bought a packet of crisps. (laughs) 
So even shipping abroad, you can save a bundle with DCBService.com. So please check them out. We appreciate their sponsorship. They've uh, also given us books that we've been giving away all along, and, uh, and it's been working out great. So thanks to DCBS. And if you'd like the Walking Dead TV podcast to make fun of your home country, send us an email at comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of making fun of other countries, Jim, don't we have another sponsor today? Indeed, keeping with the across-the-pond flavor of our first email, we have a new sponsor in Scream Horror Magazine. You can check them out at www.screamhorror.com. Scream is Britain's premier horror magazine, your best source for horror movies, DVD, and Blu-rays, reviews, previews, celebrity interviews, books, games, film festival reports, comics, and pretty much anything else you can think of in the world of horror. So they cover it all. Uh, the magazine is published bi-monthly and available at all good news agents and bookstores across the UK. And copies are available online at www.screamhorror.com. Yeah, Jolly good. Yeah, it's awesome. We're, uh, we do have some listeners, obviously, in the UK, but uh, we're glad to have Scream Horror Magazine as a sponsor and, and hopefully you know, find some more of those people. And what's the coolest thing about Scream Horror Magazine right now, Jim? Well, yours truly and the rest of my cohorts here on the Walking Dead TV podcast are about to have a nice uh, nice article that we have written together uh, by committee, as it were, uh, in Scream Horror Magazine, uh, an upcoming issue about The Walking Dead. So check that out. That'll be awesome. Yeah, definitely. That's been a lot of fun. We're, we're hoping to do like a frequently asked questions about The Walking Dead television show type article. And uh, we're having a lot of fun putting that together. So look for that in the March issue, which, again, you can get online or in stores if you're in the U.K. From a good news agent. Yes. Save a packet. All right, Jordan, how about some Walking Dead news? Sure. Well, first off, we talked about it a few episodes ago, or I should say I joked about it. But it turns out we have Walking Dead action figures coming from McFarland Toys. They do Halo action figures, lots of video game stuff. And now they're doing Walking Dead figures. They're going to be doing two sets of four. The first series is comic books. And so that'll be Officer Rick Grimes, Michonne, a zombie lurker, and a zombie roamer as they appear in the comics. And then later on, they're going to do series two, which will be based on the TV show. That'll be Deputy Rick Grimes, Daryl Dixon, everybody's favorite, zombie walker, and zombie biter, which I should mention the image that they're using for that. We haven't seen the toy prototype yet, but the image for zombie biter is none other than Buster the Zombie. Let me ask a, a quick question here. Um, the comic book uh, line, the four that are coming there based on the comic book, are they going to be in black and white only? Uh, no, we've seen images of them, and they were all in color. They are most of them at least based off of the covers to the comic, which are, of course, in color, even though the internals are black and white. So it's Rick as a, he appears on the cover of issue number one in color. Michonne as she appears on the cover of issue number 19, more or less, and the zombies... Um, I couldn't tell you exactly which comics they're from, but they're fairly comic accurate. I sense a crazy one per 15 case black and white variant of Rick Grimes somewhere in the future. Yeah, I think that's a good, uh, that's a good guess. If it's, there, if it's McFarlane, yeah, if it's McFarlane, that's a safe bet. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing. If they come out with a Lori with a removable wedding ring or a, <laughs> or a Merle with a removable hand, we're going to <laughs> the tapes and speaking to a lawyer. <laughs> well, I guess I we can speak to Jordan. Shane with, Shane with action hike pants. <laughs> okay, so anybody who follows our Twitter knows that there was a little bit of a spirited debate about the Michonne figure. 
Michonne is a character that we haven't gotten into much because she is only in the comics. She doesn't appear in the first volume, which uh, are the comics that we have covered in the past. So we haven't gotten to speak about her a lot. But, um, well, the prototype figure is dressed kind of funny. Um, (laughs) Says me. And, well, how should we do this? Okay, let's, let's assume that the prototype is the figure. All right, there's no way to have an argument by saying that, well, it's probably not going to look that way anyway. So let's just assume the prototype is how the actual figure comes out. Um, I was unhappy with the way she's dressed. She has a vest of some kind. Like, who, what woman wears a vest with no shirt underneath? Is it like a naughty secretary from some Cinemax channel late at night? Or I'm not I'm not exactly yeah. sure, but she has a, a low cut vest on. Um, I guess I will concede that there are some sort of leggings or pants underneath the skirt, which is what the character wore in the book. But I wasn't happy about the sexualization of the character. And Jordan, I guess your stance is that there is none. Okay, well let, let me be clear. I do think it is a slightly more sexualized version of the character than the image it's based on. It's based on the cover to issue 19. But basically, the only difference is her shirt is slightly lower cut. Or not shirt, but the vest. And there might be a shirt on underneath it in the final, but we're not going to get into that. And the vest is slightly higher at its base than it is on the front of the comic. And she's not wearing a scarf like she is because in the cover to issue number 19, it's kind of winter. You know, so it could be a removable scarf, you know, it could be actual fabric or something, because this is like a plasticine prototype. But whether it's an over-sexualization, maybe slightly, but this is, for all intents and purposes, how she looks like in the comic. In fact, uh, there was one comment, I don't remember exactly who made it on Twitter, but that uh, about her chest size, shall we say? I actually think the, the prototype of the action figure here has a smaller bust size than she does on the cover of that comic. I've got both the images right here, and to me, it's well, larger there. We can, again, it's, <laughs> you're talking about the only differences. Okay, the only differences is a change that totally shows off cleavage and a perfectly placed scarf that covers the cleavage. So even though there's only two changes, they're totally in the places that, you know, smell of sexuality and of course the midriff with the no shirt underneath the vest and stuff and i have more to say but i would like to hear jim and uh russ on this as well since jordan and i kind of argued on the side already and we didn't hear much from you guys well i mean mcfarland toys i mean in the 90s they were famous for having that no panties angela or whatever it was it was a variant that was like one in every 20 of uh, angela the angel from spawn and she didn't have any panties on underneath her skirt she I didn't mean, have anything else to of, just blank, but... Well, that's true, right. But um, it, it was just blank. You're right, sure. <laughs> but um, thanks for checking that out for us. Anyway, <laughs> the... Um, but, Recent. I mean, I don't know. They just... They do tend to over-sexualize their characters. That I, at least I've noticed with, like, the sculpts uh, McFarlane uses, unless they're going very photorealistic. Or, you know, like, for instance, the Halo toys are very, very close to the computer models because it'd be very easy for them to sculpt from, you know, the computer models. Whereas when they're trying to do with living people, they tend to exaggerate their, you know, appearances. Now, there have been some exceptions, like they did the Lost um, action figures, and those were pretty much to scale with, you know, the way the people look. They didn't really... Uh, go too far with them, so I kind of wonder why they would do, you know, why they would tamper with uh, 
with Michonne in a major way. I mean, well, I to be fair, with Lost, they're enough. based on I, 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 this is this is just a drawn image so far. We don't have an actress playing the character yet. Right, but there's so many fans of, of The Walking Dead who know what Michonne looks like that I couldn't see them going too far off of the, the model from the comic. Russell? And, and I mean, she's a, and she's a favorite character of the fans as well. I mean, Brad and I both said, you know, in the one episode, that that's what we're looking forward to seeing, you know, in the show. was Michonne, and for good reason, she's a great character, but I won't go into details. Yeah, I think it, it just detracts. I, I mean, maybe I'm being overly um, reading too much into it. I will agree agree with Jordan and concede that um, the bust size of the model in the, the figure does look more natural and less pronounced, say, than, than in the comic, which is fine. Um, usually, It's funny because usually they go the other way, so I thought that was odd that, the, that that's the choice they decided to, to, to scale back on. But Michonne, how do I say this, isn't really portrayed as being a sexual character in the comic. Now, certain situations may may lend themselves to her character, but it's more of a, I guess I would say, a private setting. Um, And this is more, a little more exhibitionist than I think her character really is. And given her appearance in the comic when she shows up and given her um, aggressive nature, it it just seems more natural that you would try and cover up. Now, granted, she did, you know, it was kind of wintertime, but it would make more sense for her to be more clothed than not, just simply for protection, if nothing else. Um, and I just think it it doesn't really capture the essence of the character when they when they do stuff like this. I mean, certain characters in comics or movies or whatever, if they're if they're being more realistic and that's how they're portrayed in the comic, then fine. If they take a few liberties, I mean, there's you know artists over time draw characters different ways, but Michonne's been pretty consistently drawn. Uh, since she's been in, and to me, to have the vest with the no shirt underneath it, and I, I mean, I looked at this thing fairly close, and you know, I, I mean, granted, this is this is a monochromatic, um, you know, test mold, I, I guess I would say, but I don't see any neckline drawn at all. I mean, there's detail at her neck area, collarbone, and stuff we could see that that's that's detailed out. The first images we saw of her from like waist down. You couldn't see barely below the knees, and there was no definition there. It was very, um, very flat. So to me, I, that's why I thought, okay, I, there's probably pants here because you can't see a defined kneecap, or you know, d- her her legs weren't very defined; they were very, very flat and formless. But with with the upper portion on this model that we're seeing, there's definitely no neckline or no like t-shirt or or any kind of shirt up underneath it. So. Um, I, you know, again, I just I think when you're going to model something like that, you should stick with the essence of the character. I mean, that's the whole purpose of you know making a figure is to make it capture the the feel for how they appear either on film or in comic or animation or whatever the case may be. And if our listeners want to be able to judge for themselves, I'm sure we can put both of these images up of the comic character and of the action figure in the article image for this. So go to hhwlod.com or walkingdeadtv.com and go to the article where this uh, episode was posted, and you can uh, see those images for yourself. I'm going to see if I can see what Brad says. If you know the phrase that pays... Hey, it's Brad. I've been waiting for you to call me, but unfortunately I can't talk to you right now because I'm either on the phone or I'm solving some big world crisis. So leave me a message and I'll get right back to you. Thanks. We're going to leave this in. 
Hey, Brad, uh, this is your Walking Dead TV podcast, friends. I hope you had fun out at the movies while we sit home and record the show that we're dedicated to. So, you suck. See you later. So, anyway, my, my last word on it is I have nothing against uh, sexualized characters if that's who they are. I just have a, They don't all have to be that way. Like, it's okay to have one that's not. So, it just kind of bothers me that they change someone. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy the figure if it looks like that because that's not really the Michonne that I know, and it's not like a morality thing. Like I wouldn't buy a figure that had big boobs sticking out or anything. I just I don't know. I, that's not the picture I have of Michonne, so I'll probably stay away from that one. So what's the Dallas uh, Con news, Mister Latham? It looks like for the Dallas Con in May, there is going to be a slew of Walking Dead guests there. Lori Holden is going to be there. And that's probably the, the biggest, I guess, guest of the bunch. But then a bunch of the Vatos are going to be there from 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 their episode. Um, it's and I hope I pronounced his name properly. So it's Noel Guglielmi, Neil Brown, Anthony Guajardo, Viviana Chavez, and James Gonzaba. They're all going to be there. And maybe we have an in. I'm hoping, Brad and I are hoping both, that Irony Singleton is going to be there as well, who we've interviewed in the past. So we've kind of got a, a little bit of an in there. So with with such a strong Walking Dead presence at the Dallas Comic Con, you know, we're hoping maybe we can either get some interviews or I imagine by this time either they're going to be re- either getting ready to do some filming or in the middle of filming, maybe on a break. And I'm hoping that, that the, the dates still stick and that they don't get stuck you know, having to do pickups or, or shooting or something like that and, and can't make it. But it's going to be – it's a Dallas Comic Con. It's going to be May 21st and 22nd of 2011 at the Irving Convention Center. And now this is the new, the new convention center in the Dallas area that they've, they've created. And, and so far it looks like – I'm looking at the um, exhibitor space and stuff, and it looks like they've pre-sold quite a bit. Um, which is good news. You know, moving to a big venue is always a little bit scary, but there's going to be a lot of cool comic artists and guests, a lot of celebrity guests, Stan Lee, Carrie Fisher, uh, Leonard Nimoy is going to be there. Um, and again, that's May 21st and 22nd. To check out the guest list, you can go to sci-fiexpo.com, and from there it'll take you. There's a link right up at the top. This is Dallas Comic Con. So I'll uh, we'll post this in the show notes, but again, we got plenty of time. It's only end of February-ish right now, and this is May 21st, 22nd, but um, Brad and I both thought that was really cool, because we'll definitely be there for the weekend. Very nice. I want to jump to a voicemail that we got, and then we'll continue on with some more news and such. Hey, guys, it's Soda, uh, calling just with a uh, topic of conversation, actually. I was just curious on your guys' opinion. Uh, and I know this is kind of an older movie. Well, not really. It was last year, 2010, was when it came out in theaters. But uh, it's been on like Showtime and Stars a bunch lately, is uh, Timothy Oliphant in, in The Crazies. Uh, I just want to know if you guys saw it, what your opinion of it is. Uh, does it technically classify under the... Uh, the zombie genre, uh, or, or not. You know, there's a big area of debate there. But I've been watching it a lot lately. I, I'm a fan of it primarily because it, it takes place in Iowa in some uh, made-up community called Ogden Marsh, which they even went through a little bit of trouble and made, uh, I believe, three different websites for the, for the marketing of the movie, uh, ogdenmarsh.com. The sheriff's department even has his own one, OddenMarshSheriff.com. And then, of course, uh, DPChemicals.com, which is for uh, Dak and Pendrel. It's the uh, 
chemical corporation that has a plant there that obviously was engineering this uh, chemical weapon to uh, that ends up uh, killing the town for the most part. So, uh, anyway, just want to know what your guys' opinion of the movie was, uh, and does this technically classify as a zombie movie? Yeah, you know, crazy zombies. Who who to thunk? So uh, that's it. Uh, keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you guys later. All right, Mr. Joe Jans checking in, big friend of the show. Uh, anybody see the crazies? I did. Interestingly enough, uh, I, from the sound of his of his voicemail, he probably wasn't aware of this. The crazies is actually a remake, and yeah. do you know who directed the original? I'm going to guess Frank Darabont. George Romero. Jim is correct. It was oh. Mr. George A. Romero. It's one of the few non-zombie movies that he's directed. Um, I believe the distinction here would be, and granted, I only saw the remake once. I haven't actually seen the original. Don't hit me. I'm sorry. Um, I've been meaning to. But I don't believe that the crazies are dead, therefore not zombies. They're just crazy. They're like, uh, you know, the rage virus infected people in 28 days and 28 weeks later. But it's uh, the remake was very good. I'm really enjoying Timothy Oliphant's work these, day- these days. I was going to say, I've seen the original but not the remake. And the original is the same thing. It was kind of a step away from George Romero to do something different that wasn't about zombies. Uh, but the people were alive. They were just infected with some uh, virus that made them insane. So I don't know if I'd quite call them zombies. But I haven't seen the remake, so I really can't talk about that. It's pretty much the same thing, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think the one distinguishing factor that I go by for a zombie is that it's dead. So uh, no is our answer, Joe. You can't be undead unless you're dead first. All right, so we talked about last week that there was a possibility of a Walking Dead video game being announced by Telltale Games. They are the guys behind the current Sam and Max games, the brand new Back to the Future game, uh, Strong Bad's fantastic game for attractive people. I know I'm butchering that title slightly, but it's weird. They do mostly point-and-click adventure games. They're currently working on a Jurassic Park game. I think the trailer just came out like two days ago, and we don't know exactly what genre that one will be. But generally, they're known for their point-and-click adventure games. They've just announced several new properties, um, including Fables, which is another comic that's coming to TV soon, maybe. We'll see. And The Walking Dead. And here are some of the things they had to say in the article where they announced it. People who read The Walking Dead are fans of the books and have gotten through all 13 trades or are with issue to issue understand it's not really about the zombies. It's about these people. And anyone who's into Telltale Games and has played our games understands that our games are about the people who are in them. It's just a natural fit for us. The guys who come to work at Telltale, we choose to come to work at Telltale. That's the kind of stuff we like. It's also a way for the guys who have been told we tell jokes really well all the time to not tell jokes for a while. Uh, The fact that life and death and humanity play giant roles are really the only thing that are at stake in this franchise. It's not about money or who's taking over the world. It's literally about life and death and the ones you love. That's a really exciting thing for me personally as a writer. So what do you guys think? Are you excited about a point-and-click adventure game or maybe possibly another genre for The Walking Dead? I know I mean, we talked about this some last week, but now that we have a definite it's happening, what are your thoughts? I'm cautiously optimistic. That's exactly what I was going to say. Well, the interesting part to me is Telltale is known, like you said in the, uh, the press release there, Jordan, uh, for, for humor. I mean, if you look at their games, Sam and Max, and even the new Back to the Future game or whatnot, they really, that's the genre, that's the genre they've worked in. I think it'll be interesting to see how they take, you know, their style of gaming, which is very old school, like you say, point, uh, click adventure, uh, style to something with a lot more, you know, gravitas with a lot more drama, like The Walking Dead. It'll be interesting to see if that's a good fit in gameplay. It's interesting going to that type of gameplay. It kind of died out. I mean, it was big in the early 90s and then it was gone for the longest time and they've kind of reanimated that corpse themselves. 
you know, it's a zombie of a genre. I think the downloadable market has really had a lot to do with it too, because they, they can release them uh, episodically as small, you know, bite-sized pieces for you know five or ten dollars a pop over Steam or Xbox Live, and it makes it more economically viable than having to get together, you know, triple A sixty dollar, uh, you know, direct to disc release, you know. So Definitely. it'll be interesting to see what they do. Most zombie video games are are pretty good. I mean, there's so many of them, but I think they have a pretty good track record. I mean, if you go back to Resident Evil and the uh, What's the ones in the mall? Dead Rising. Right, Dead Rising, Left 4 Dead, all those. I mean, they're pretty They're pretty popular games, and they're pretty well-rated as well. Plus yeah, all I the, had a lot um, of problems with Dead Rising. The save system was pretty broken, and the whole time limit thing was really kind of annoying. I mean, if you're going to set somebody free in a mall with hundreds of weapons to interact with and all these zombies to kill, why give them a time limit to do so? You know, But I agree with you for the most part. I mean, Left 4 Dead is incredible. You know, The Resident Evil series has always been a high-quality Um even the zombie, uh, the Undead Nightmare add-on for Red Dead Redemption was really good. I have a voicemail that has a little video game tie-in. Let's check that out. Hey, guys. This is Terry. I am calling from the state of Michigan. Just want to call in with a couple thoughts. Number one, uh, when you're talking about the Walking Dead video game, Dead Rising and Dead Rising 2 are pretty similar to Walking Dead in the aspect that there's Lots of zombies, people killing them. And that also, because of the zombie apocalypse, there are people who are considered psychopaths, which reminds me of many characters from uh, The Walking Dead that we've run into because these people are psychopaths because of the whole zombie apocalypse, and now they're all crazy and stuff. So, uh, point number two that I want, or thing number two I want to talk about is uh, just your thoughts on what kind of stuff they can get away with in the uh, TV show that they were able to do in the comments, in the comics. Um, I'd like to talk about them. Unfortunately, I don't really want to talk about comic book spoilers because I know you guys don't like to. Um, but they do some pretty crazy stuff in the comics. I'd be really curious to see what boundaries they can push on the TV show. So I just want to know your thoughts on that. All right, thanks, Black Guys. Love the podcast. Cool. Thanks for that call. Well, I guess I'll start with the second point first. After seeing the first season and all the axes to the heads and the beating of zombies with bats and, of course, the Guts episode, I think all bets are off. I think they can do pretty much anything that we've seen in the comic. I can't uh, try to think of something off the top of my head that they would have to skip out on. I, I think there's... Uh, I can think of one. Yeah. I uh, I don't know how I say this without being spoiler-ish, but I think... Um, involves a drill yeah there's that whole sequence there's what happens in issue 48 that I think might be tough to be as graphic on screen as they did in the book even for AMC I mean yeah we've seen a lot when it's come to human on zombie violence but I think any possible human on human violence and some of the situations may push the boundaries a little much in my opinion I think they can do it, but I think it'll be more off camera. Like, you, like you'll see the aftermath of it, but you won't see the actual event. As for the first point, I think that's a pretty common theme. Like, even in the uh, post-apocalyptic films and stuff, there always seems to be people that are just crazy now because of it. That make little tribes and gangs and things like that. It seems like when the government breaks down in uh, in entertainment in the in futures. There always becomes these like band of crazy like Mad Max people gangs. 
Yeah. I don't know if that's what's going on in Dead Rising yeah, and stuff. Yeah, uh, Fallout, in Fallout New Vegas, they're not only zombies, but they're also gangs of crazy people like you're talking about. And so that's pretty much all the video game news. The only thing that I didn't mention is we don't know exactly when it's going to come out. These things can have – f- I think the shortest turnaround you're going to find for a video game is about a year. And you know that might lend itself well to a point-and-click adventure. But generally, video game development takes a while. So we might be waiting until season three or four even to see this video game. But another thing they talked about in the article is it's going to be more closely based on the book. They went so far as to call it canon in several places, like canon to the side of the book, like to maybe characters that you don't necessarily see. So that'll be very interesting. If they are official canon, whatever happens in this game, the official version anyway, that I'm very interested to see. While we're on the subject of zombies and, and video games, who checked out that, uh, I keep forgetting the name, is it Dead Island? Dead Island looks incredible. I'm totally in the dark. Was this a game that everybody knew about and now the trailer hit, or was this they a total surprise? They put out a 30-second trailer at like E3 or one of those video game-type conventions in 2007. And in that 30-second trailer, which was kind of lame, let's be honest, it said, coming 2008. Well, as you would guess, it didn't show up in 2008. We're now in 2011. They just released this announcement trailer, which is weird because it was announced, like I said, three years ago or four years ago. And I don't know, do you, you guys want to describe exactly what happens in it? Because it's pretty incredible. Well, it's kind of funny. I remember reading on Games Radar a, a year or two ago that had like the top 20 lost uh, games, like games that had been announced or promoted in some way and then never seen in the light of day. And this was like number three. So I guess they, you know, they did such a bad job in promoting it. Not even the gaming press knew that people were still working on it until this trailer came out. But uh, it's it's pretty interesting. It's um two different. It's it's one different storyline, but broken up non chronologically. Yeah, it's kind of um, like Memento, where it's got the dueling timelines, or, or there's a specific episode of The Venture Brothers that did a similar thing, where it's got one going one direction and one going the opposite direction. Right. Um, the one is a rewind of a, a little girl uh, falling from a giant skyscraper, and then the uh, you know the quote unquote present, I guess, would be the uh, the family running from the zombies and trying to hide in their room. And we see the the scene from both ends of the timeline happening almost you know simultaneously, one in reverse and one in forward. And uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool the way it's edited together. I know there's also a chronological version available on YouTube, but I much prefer the original. Yeah, it doesn't really have the same emotional impact when it's seen um, in a straightforward kind of way. Uh, so it is really cool how they how they did this one. Russ, how are we on emails? We have a couple more that we can get to. Uh, we do, we do. Um, it's almost like I knew that when I asked you. That's true. That's true. Uh, the first one is from well, we got two from uh, Robert from Houston. Um, so that's in Texas. I, that's right. My neighbor to the to the east, directly to the east, my former home of 20 years. So he says, hi, this is Robert from Houston. I was doing my laundry at the laundromat today when a Jehovah's Witness handed me a Watchtower pamphlet while I was listening to your podcast on my iPhone. This was literally the first thing I saw when I opened it. A lovely scene of Morgan holding his undead son telling me that the zombie apocalypse is coming. I had a great laugh while listening to a great podcast. So... To go with the email, and we'll, maybe we'll we'll post this picture up. That's got to be our image. That'll be our website image for the for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 an African American man, and he's hugging his son, 
and uh, the quote on on the on the pamphlet that he he sent to us says the res- the resurrection of the dead is one of the fundamental truths taught in the Bible. So it just it's kind of funny that he happened to be listening to our show and dealing with the Walking Dead while uh, while this this happened to come across his or come to his presence. And so. there's also what I guess I would call an angel who's off camera if you will but the yes. arm is reaching into the picture to like yes. you know hold out a loving hand but yeah. if you're reading it in this context it could also be a zombie reaching out to grab the boy <laughs> who's being hugged by Morgan yes so so one of those funny ironies i guess i guess I, i'll call it so then we got another uh email from from Robert this one has to do with uh, the CDC. So he says, uh, I get the impression that many people believe that the CDC computer was too sci-fi. I tend to disagree. I didn't see that the computer had an advanced AI. It just followed voice commands. That really isn't very far out there. After all, I can tell my phone to call different people and to play songs stored on it. Why not a su- supercomputer in the CDC? Really, anything in the CDC is up to debate considering the classified nature of the inner workings of that facility. Just a thought. There's something that really bothers me about the, the like CSI and NCIS shows, or all the like really advanced hyper computer tech that they have. You know what I mean? They always have like uh, the lab covered with giant big screen TVs, all touch sensitive. You know, like using Microsoft Surface, which <laughs> you know we don't have yet. And I mean, the, you know, nothing could be further from the truth if you've ever been into a you know a crime lab. And I, I mean, as far as the CDC's uh, portrayal of the computers, I agree with Robert. It didn't seem you know too far out of line. You know, with what could be in there. Yeah, user interface design on television and movies always cracks me up because it it has no basis in reality at all i mean that that's just mainly meant so that the user so that the viewer just doesn't stare at a blank screen with somebody either keying in words or clicking a button and have data retrieved you know i just love it when these shows whenever they do something there's always like a graphical representation of everything like if somebody's looking for a file it's almost like a hand comes out to a to a cabinet and opens the drawer and starts rifling through stuff and then it pops up or you know there's always this advanced UI to every type of interface that um, that comes across and, and being kind of a tech guy and dealing with the software industry and, and user interfaces and stuff like that for many many years it, it just always cracks me up to see stuff like that it's, also, it. it's also funny that on uh, TV and movies anybody can find anything online in like 30 seconds yeah yeah here wait yeah Okay, I've hacked into NORAD. Here it is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I think the the whole voice command thing in that episode was mainly just to add dramatic tension sure, toward the sure. end when he set the self-destruct. I, I remember when I watched it, I thought it was a little too sci-fi. I remember commenting on it. I can't really even remember exactly what it did that made me feel that way. But that'll be one of the interesting things when we do the commentary and, and when the DVDs come out, we get to rewatch all the episodes to kind of revisit these nitpicks and see how we feel about it the second time around. Which is probably the last episode we'll release before the DVDs come out, isn't it? Yeah, Mm. I think... um, Maybe one more. We could do an early early March and then do our kind of DVD release episode late March, or we could reverse that and do the DVD one first and then a late March. Because it's coming soon, March 8th. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, it'll definitely be soon. How about that? 
Yeah. I, this I, I I will say this. This representation of crazy UI was less offensive <laughs> to me than than I've seen on many 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 different types of shows. So uh, it didn't it didn't make me roll my eyes like uh, like a lot of them have. I also want to mention that Robert sent in a voicemail as well, but I'm not going to play it because he gets into a lot of comic spoilers on it. The gist of the voicemail is, I, I guess Robert is a fairly new listener, and he's going back and uh, hearing our shows from the beginning. So it was basically another what's with the Lori hate uh, voicemail, <laughs> which we've kind of visited, I guess, in the past. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm pretty much over it. She doesn't really bother me on the show at all. Um, Somebody tweeted me Lori hate the other day. I think it was Chub Toad, and I was like, I thought we were done with this. <laughs> <laughs> it came so out of nowhere. It never dies. I, I think the revelation at the end of what I guess maybe episode five. No, yeah, I guess it was. I guess it was. I guess it was the finale um, of what Shane's. You know what really happened and what. Or I guess, no, I guess it was. Well, we found out in the fa- finale what he thought happened. We found out, and it was four or five what she thought happened. R- right, right. So I, I guess once that kind of came to light, I think, and again, like you said, John, we kind of hashed this out, but I think that's what kind of settled out some of the Lori hate, at least in my opinion. You know. Yeah, and I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm not taking back what I said about comic Lori. I mean, <laughs> just, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't, she's not one of my favorite, you know, characters in the book. It's got nothing to do with women or men or who I think is right or wrong. I just, some of the way she comes across just bugged me. And I, I think Jim kind of led the parade on that one. And, uh, you know, we're, we're through with that. I, uh, I still feel the same way about comic Lori and my jury is still out on TV. Lori. Well, TV Shane gives us lots to talk about. So yeah. that's cool. So I think I'm going to make this call. We, we were originally going to debate whether we would include a little bit of a special episode on the end of this show, but we're, we're going to save it for a separate show now. So would Russ and Jordan, would you guys like to explain our little uh, special episode that we'll have? I guess that'll be one of our shows in March. If one of them is the DVD show, the other one can be your AMC special. Sure. Well, I have been watching AMC for a few years now with uh, Breaking Bad and, and Mad Men and getting myself ca- caught up on those. So even before we saw trailers for The Walking Dead or just as soon as it was announced and it was going to be on AMC, I was excited based on their pedigree. And I've gotten other people to watch it, including Russ and you know, getting him. You're now caught up on Breaking Bad and Mad Men, right, sir? Yeah, I went through a rip of uh, Breaking Bad because it was just one. Again, I, I tend to when I tend to get into a show, I tend to just go all in and just watch like tons of episodes over a very short period of time. And so we both love pretty much everything that uh, AMC has to offer. And so we want to spotlight some of that for people who might have not seen Breaking Bad or Mad Men, which are two of the best shows on television. If you've only seen The Walking Dead and you like what they've done there, you're going to want to check out this episode to, to hear about some of the other incredible programs they're doing. Awesome. I look forward to that as well. Um, I will not be able to participate because I'm not, uh, I have not cool, watched like those us. shows. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not cool. And uh, I haven't caught, yeah, I haven't caught up on those shows. It's it's one of those things that I know I will because everybody says how great it is, and I don't I don't debate that. But um, it'll 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 come around. But that's cool. I'm glad you guys are going to get a chance to do that. So I think that'll be the plan. I think we'll do the DVD slash Blu-ray release show, 
in March, and we'll just kind of generally go over it. Maybe we'll look at some of the special features and uh, trailers and different things they have on the set. And then in the following months, we'll go into each episode and do the commentary for each show. And then our other March show will be the AMC special. So that should be a lot of fun. Sounds good. Jim, how about you wrap this up? Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps just about wraps up uh, episode 19 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, that number is 516-468-7912. Or you can email us at comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Check out our brother podcasts, Half Hour Wasted on Mondays, and The Legion of Dudes on Thursdays at hhwlod.com. Our, we have Facebook groups for Legion of Dudes, Half Hour Wasted, The Walking Dead TV Podcast, and Media Minutes, our new uh, feature of uh, little like media blast reviews, uh, five-minute reviews you might dig. Uh, check those out as well. You can join us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at H-H-W-L-O-D underscore network. Bring it home, Mr. Jersey. So until there's no room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, whatever your favorite type of zombie video game, there's no denying that the semi-automatic shotgun is the way to go. Unless you can find a katana. Or chainsaw. Or a sniper rifle. You know what? Just take them all. Have a good night. Good night. Episode title, save a packet, possibly. Yeah, unless something else crazy. You never know, because we're going to call Brad, so we might have another title altogether. But as of right now, I'd say save a packet is in the lead. What do you go see, Nomeo and Juliet? Dead on, applied applied to that, never mind. I don't know, maybe his upstream is better than his downstream or something. All right, I guess he'll just... She said? (laughs) Yeah. Was this a game that everybody knew out? Uh, This sounds like our Tarantino episode we just did on Legion of Dudes. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Does Marsalis Wallace look like a zombie to you? Say what again? <laughs> Say geek again. He sneaks up on you like surprise butt sex. Holy Moses. That's a blooper. You have a lot of surprise butt you have a lot of surprise butt <laughs> sex, do you? It's New Jersey, what do you think? <laughs> it's, our, uh, it's our prime export or something. See so if you can get across the uh, parking lot without sucking any dicks, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, come on. It's my favorite Jersey movie of all time. Clerks, come on. Uh, uh, 37? I'm 37? Counting me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like it matters at that point.